In the fast-paced world of today's marketplace, are you looking at your business and wondering, what will it take to get known and drive traffic? This is Your Business Matters Show, the place where your host, Kevin Yoon, shines the spotlight on industry leaders to discover the power of business matters to share the insight that can positively impact your bottom line. Success is not about knowing your business matters. It is what you're doing with what you know. Turn up the sound and get ready for Your Business Matters Show. Here's your host, Kevin Hewn. Did you know you had a book inside of you? After writing my first book, I had someone say to me, we all have a book inside of us. I realized at that moment that, you know, really, we all have stories that are just a part of us. It's basically how history gets passed down from one generation to another. So whether you like fiction or nonfiction, resource books or recipe books, you've got a book in you. And on today's show, I'm going to be talking with Christopher Lucas, the author of the upcoming book, Top Disney, a collection of 100 top 10 lists from the man to the mouse to beyond, all about the value and the importance of writing a book in today's landscape. A quick bio on Chris. For over 30 years, he's been acting in featured supporting and recurring roles on the big screen, on stage, and in television shows. He's been profiled in People Magazine, USA Today, Newsweek, Soap Opera Weekly, The New York Times, and several other major media. He's no stranger to putting himself out there and for people to see. So, Chris, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on, Kevin. This is great. You know, being a guest on a show is nothing new, um, nor is having a book in in the marketplace. Um, You have another book also uh, that's a bestseller, I believe. Let's dive into this subject. Like, why is it so important to have a book today? Uh, Well, as you said, and I think it's perfect, everybody's got a book in them. Uh, It doesn't matter who you are. There's no expiration date on your story. People are always interested in hearing your story because there's someone out there who's looking to hear your story for whatever reason it is. So um, what what a book does for you, whoever you are, is – First of all, it establishes a legacy. Books live forever. You know, a hundred years from now, if somebody picks up a copy of my book, it's like I'm still there talking to them, even though I'm physically not here on the earth anymore. So it gives you that. It gives you a legacy, but also it gives you, uh, in the business world, certainly a little bit of legitimacy. Uh, And that's not to say somebody who doesn't have a book isn't legitimate, but it, it certainly gives. It's better than a business card. It's it's something concrete that somebody can. Even if they don't read the book, they can look up the the little snapshot version of it on Amazon or something and see what the book is about. And it shows them that you're serious about whatever subject you're interested or whatever topic you want to talk about. And that you're serious that you've taken the time to sit down and collect your thoughts on paper or on a computer and put them out there. So a book, obviously I'm a little biased because I've written books, but I I think it's a good exercise too just to, to get your story out there. Yeah, that's actually great. I, I love that because I know when I went through my book, it was soul searching. It was like, oh, my God, who am I? And challenging. Maybe talk a little bit about kind of your journey, because this new Disney book looks like it's going to be. I mean, for anybody that, you know, likes Disney, follows it and stuff, this is a very unique and special book. And I just want to talk about it for a second, because it's going to reveal some things that people, you know, you think, oh, you got to write a book. and and I talk to people who want to write books all the time, and they think, you know, start with word one and finish with word like 50,000, right? And it's like, no, you can do it in different ways. So your book's kind of got that. So let's talk about a little bit about the, the Disney book. Well, sure. Well, one of the challenges with any book, period, uh, is is the question that any publisher is going to ask you or that you really have to ask yourself is, what am I saying 
about this topic that's new. And if it's about your life, obviously, then you've got a blank slate because there, unless you're a celebrity, there aren't many books written about your life. But if I'm writing about Disney, there are at last count over 10,000 books on the subject of Disney. And there's so much minutia that there are books written about specific parts of Walt's life. And so my challenge was, what can I do that's new and what can I say that's new? So this has been 10 years in the making. And my idea was to come up with a series of top 10 lists, kind of giving a history of the company through lists, the top 10 you know, most influential moments in Walt's life, the top 10 live action villains, the top 10 restaurants in Disney, all different interesting, fun things. And it's not just my opinions. I kind of collected from all the different works that have been put out there. So that was the challenge. And I was fortunate enough that I sent it to the Disney archives and they looked at it and say, wow, nobody's ever written anything like this before. So I kind of got their stamp of approval uh, in that it was unique. And that's the idea that you want to write something that no one else has ever seen before or no one else has written about before. And your take on the subject. Yeah, I love it. So that's a good that's a good point right there got to be unique, right? It's got to be something that's, you know, everybody, and I use cookbooks because we, we can go to any bookstore and how many, there's hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of, of cookbooks, right? Yet somebody's still writing a new cookbook, new spin on it or whatever. So um, let's go into the other book, the first one, because it was more about your life, right? I believe uh, on that first book. That was my dad's life, actually. And that one was 40. People ask me, how long did it take me to write that book? In actuality, it took me three months to sit down and write it. But in reality, about 45 years of, you know, hearing my dad's stories and he and I uh, and my older brother living life together. But he's, uh, I'll give you the short version of his story. When he was 12 years old, he was struck between the eyes by a baseball, went completely blind. And that was in 1951. And people back then, if you went blind, you were cast out from society and, you know, you were shipped off to a school just for blind children. There was no assimilating into regular school. So everybody told him his life was over. And my grandmother was a woman of faith and she prayed a lot. And she took him to meet one of the Yankees, a guy named Phil Rizzuto at a, at a clothing store. And he's a Hall of Famer. He's a superstar for the Yankees. And he took an interest in my dad. And my dad loved baseball. And he said, kid, if you go to school and go to college and do all these things, I'll try to open some doors for you. And he, he introduced my dad to a bunch of influential people. And now this opening day in a couple of weeks will be my father's 64th straight opening day covering baseball. And he's got the major league record for that. He set the record and uh, he's totally blind. So he, he was a pioneer in that. He, he was one of the inventors of what's now known as color commentary, because obviously yeah. he can't So he would, he would, talk about the he would talk to the players and find out about their lives and what was going on and people were shocked in the 60s when he was doing this because they didn't want to know about the personal lives but now that's you know yeah a broadcast wouldn't be the same without it without finding out what's going on with the players so uh he was one of the pioneers of that but also when i was four and my brother was two my mother walked out on us and just left my father alone to raise us and she came back a few years later and sued him for custody saying a handicapped person should not have two children <sighs> The courts agreed with her and just gave us over to my mother without a trial or anything else. And he went all the way to the Supreme Court and fought it. And he had at his trial people like all oh, the Yankees testified for him. Bob Hope testified for him, a bunch of people that he knew. And uh, he wound up winning. And he was the first handicapped person in the history of the world to win custody back from a non-handicapped spouse. And one of the first males in the United States, which is still very rare to win custody back from a female. So all of that became, you know, a story that people wanted to hear about. And so we put it together and wrote it and 
it came out in 2015. It's called Seeing Home, and, and it wound up being a bestseller, which we were very blessed. Well, okay, so this is a great example. I'm listening to your story, and my mouth's on the floor. I can't, but it's like, oh, my God. But that's what books do, right? This is, and I think this is going to drive home that first question of why a book. Because we, when we hear other people's stories, I think we all get kind of entrenched. Like when you start hearing about whether it's trial, tribulations, the struggles, the things, it's like, oh my God. And we all want to know that at the end, and I'm going to, I'm going to call it painted the, you know, the pretty rainbow. It's like you hope that there's good at the end of this story, right? Sure. Like, you know, take me through it, right? And this is a great example, like just having your story right there. Like this is something, had you not written the book? That's basically a story for you, your brother, your mother, right? Like it's just like it stayed in the family and maybe close friends and that's it. And and that's when we uh, occasionally we'll we'll go out and, and when the book came out, certainly we did speaking tours all over the United States. And one of the things that my father and I both said to people were, even if you're not writing a book, just sit down with your, your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, and ask them to tell you the stories and record them, even if you're not writing them down, because these are things that even if you don't make it into a book for the public to read, your children want to know this and your great grandchildren will want to know these stories that you probably know them already, but they're going to disappear if you don't collect them and let people know. So some families have done this, but it's a great exercise just to do it with your own children. If you have children, sit down with them one night and say, hey, let's, you know, record this or write it down and talk about some of these stories, because I found out things about my father that I I'd never heard before, just in the process of writing this book. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit some of the fun struggle piece, because this show is all about helping business owners. And I'm sure people are listening, going, yeah, that's good for him. He's got a great story. My life's kind of boring or I've got, you know, no big deal. Whoop. Let's talk a little bit about from the side of before writing the book, kind of what went through your head with, should I write it? Like, what's the point? You know, like, like, you know, some of the things that go through our minds and both of us yeah. have written books. So we kind of know some of the stuff. Let's walk through maybe some of the things that we can I'll call them myths. Right. Or, you know, like, ah, don't that's crap. Don't don't believe that. You know, let's just kind of dive into a few. Well, I, I will tell you the number one thing. And, and it's funny because there are incredible similarities between writing a book and being an actor in a small business is that you have to define before you even start writing the book. Who is the audience? Who's going to read this? And if the answer is nobody's going to read it, then no publisher will touch you. And, you know, you have to figure out where is the audience for this? How do I get in touch with them? So it's the same as if you opened up a small business, whatever product you're selling, if you're selling something that nobody wants, you know, that's great. You might be passionate about it, but you're not going to last very long. So you've got to figure out, okay, if I have this product, how do I convince people out there that this is something they need? And you have to do that by listening and, and say, okay, how, what would, what would it take to get you to buy this? What would it take to put this in your hands to make you plunk down money for it. So the same process you go through as an author, you know, what angle in this story would interest people enough that they're going to go to Amazon or they're going to go to their bookstore and put down 20 bucks or however much it costs to buy that book. And if you can't answer that question for a publisher or even for yourself, then it's going to be a hard sell. So that's step one is just figuring who who is out there that wants it. And, you know, obviously with the Disney book, there are millions of Disney fans. So that's an easy one to answer. With my dad's book, there were baseball fans. There were people, faith-based groups. There were a lot of groups that we could connect with. But the first step is figuring that out. And once you get that, then half your job is done because you know who to talk to to say, hey, I've got this great product. Yeah. So were they, was there a moment when you were writing a book, book where you kind of stopped and went, what am I doing? 
Who's going to care? Like, did you get to that point? I know I, for me, I did. It was kind of a weird thing, but sure. what about for yourself? Did you get that? Almost every single day, especially, you know, in cases <laughs> when I'm writing the book about my family saying, you know, Hey, I find this interesting, but will someone in, you know, it's not, and we're in New Jersey, we're in the New York area and we're writing about the Yankees about baseball, but that's, that's the sort of the second part of that. Once you figure out who your audience is, the trick to writing a book is instead of writing it for the blanket audience, because that's really hard. Then you're trying to, then you do question yourself. Are they going to, in your head, pick somebody, imagine somebody that you're having a conversation with and write for them. So in the case of my father's book, because the challenge was it's about the Yankees, it's about New York, it's about baseball, it's about blind, uh, our family is Catholic. There's a lot of things that were specific. So I picked, and it's going to sound silly, but I imagined a woman from Omaha, Nebraska, who was about 65, 70 years old, who belonged to her book club, who hates sports, had never gone to a baseball game, knew nothing about any baseball players, uh, you know, did not know anything about the New York area. And I tried to write for her. So in my head, every time I wrote something, I said, will she understand that? Will she get that? Or do I need to explain it a little bit more? Or is this too inside? Or is this... Am I naming a player that I think everybody knows, but she may not? So it actually, when the reviews came back in, that was one of the things they said was this book, even if you've never heard of baseball, it's very accessible. It's a book that it's a story. So you have to kind of do that. You have to figure out how do I make it to the lowest common denominator that everybody can enjoy it and you don't have to be a super fan or you don't have to be an expert in the field, that it's a story that will draw everyone in and you'll get more readers that way. Yeah, I love it. So, okay, if you had to do it over again, like thinking of like your dad's book, because the Disney one is pretty cool. I mean, you know, we will talk about this for one sec is the fact that Disney kind of gave you the thumbs up. You know, the archives got, hey, this is a good thing. We're going to do this. They they kind of backed you up really and supported you behind it. Right. Because it's not just you going rogue and saying, I'm going to do a Disney book, but Disney doesn't approve. This is like right. you went out and you got the approval levels on that book. But if you had to do it over again, what would be maybe some of the things that you'd go, you know what, man, if I was going to talk to the younger version of me, whether it was five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, what, uh, what would be some of the things you'd do? I, w I would have definitely said start sooner. <laughs> I, <would've> said start <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, like I said, you're, you're, there's no expiration date on your story, but it's a little easier if you start collecting things earlier. I, I would definitely have said talk to more people. One of my regrets was uh, I didn't reach out to as many in the case of the Disney book, as many people who knew Walt or then many of most of them now are, if they're not already dead, they're, they're well in their nineties and you know, they're, they're not doing interviews anymore. So I had to read a lot of their interviews, but I would have loved to sit down and ask them. Cause so I, I had that chance 20 years ago, but I didn't take it because even though this idea was in my head, I wasn't acting on it. So if you, once you get the idea that you're going to write something about a subject, Start reaching out to the people that are involved. And even if, like I say, with your own, if it's something your own personal life, find relatives who are, who are up there in years and say to them, I want to hear your stories. Because that's the sort of thing that even with my dad's book, I wish there were, I had spoken to my grandmother more or uh, some of my aunts and uncles to kind of fill in the gaps that my dad couldn't remember. I would have had that. But uh, definitely yeah. starting earlier would have been a lot easier. Uh, yeah, that's that's great. And it, it really hits home for what kind of this topic about is, which is, is it relevant to write a book in today's marketplace? You know, any, so that answer is yeah, start sooner. So today is the soonest you can get, right? This moment, you're listening to this show right now, 
you can't get any more sooner than right now, so get going. Grab a pen, paper, typewriter. What I'm showing my age here, right? Typewriter, uh, computer, PC, you know, Word document, and start writing and just start getting things out of your head. Um, format. Was there a format you followed, Chris? Uh, well, it's as far as you mean the 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 word like word format or just specific or yeah, just like as you were writing a book, was there something that you said oh, I'm just gonna like start collecting? I know my process was kind of odd. I just kind of did different chapters in different orders. I didn't have an order. So what about you? Yeah, I mean, it, each book is different. So with the Disney book, over the course of ten, fifteen years, I've been jotting notes down here and there and putting them in you know my Disney library. And so with that, I was pulling the notes together. With my dad's book, I sat down with him for 12 weeks and every week we went over one part of his life and I had a notebook that I would write by hand and then eventually I'd take it home and in a couple of days type it up. So each each project is a little different, but uh, one of the key things in the process is that you it, it, it helps you with all the other things you're doing. Uh, oddly enough is that you're writing a book, but as you're reaching out to people, as you're researching, as you're reading, you're learning what it's like to write. Like you, the more reading you do, the better your book is going to be because you're seeing other people's books that were successful and you're saying, oh, I kind of, you're not stealing, you're borrowing from the best. You're taking a little bit from here, a little bit from there, and you're making it your own. You're kind of absorbing it and making a product that's uniquely yours, but based on what has come before you that's that's been successful. So that's the other piece of advice I'd give. If you want to write a book, the first thing you want to do is read a whole bunch of books in that category, in that subject, in that vein, and see especially which ones are selling the best because that's what people are buying and you want to tap into that. So not copy them, but kind of emulate that style. Yeah. And that's where a lot of my, my style came from was emulating what I'd seen in other biographies and other uh, top 10 books and other history books and saying, okay, how can I make it unique but still stick with their what made them work? Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And let's let's drive home the the power now of having a book because you and I both know there's a bunch of actors out there, male, female, like they're all out there. Not everybody's got a book, right? Not everybody's got a story. But the minute you kind of add, oh, I'm an author to your bio, sure. do you find that things started changing a little bit of, you know, in terms of who you were, like all of a sudden there was a credibility that you didn't have beforehand i know for me it was that way but i didn't know for you because it was not oh it, it absolutely it, it it's amazing it more than you know as far as small businesses people think oh i'm on linkedin i've got a facebook page i've got this but those you know anybody can sign up and create their own page but anybody can't just go to amazon and put like hey look i made it you know it's something that even if you publish your own book, it's a process that people looking on Amazon and seeing that you're a published author means that you did a lot of work and you took it seriously. So that right there, that somebody can Google you and look you up and see that you have a listing on one of the major sites, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, anywhere, and that your book that you wrote, that you took the time to put together is on sale, that says more about you as a business person, as a, a scholar, as a, someone who takes your your line of work or whatever your interest is seriously, that says more than anything you could create yourself on social media. So I think it immediately gives you authenticity and gives you some sort of, you know, gravitas out there. Yeah. I had uh, on my journey as I was writing my hockey book, I had a couple uh, letters come in and one was from a literary agent and she goes, you know, you're patronizing the reader. You know, this is no good. Nobody's ever going to read it. Like I got totally discouraged. The thing for me was just keep going. What were some of the, did you have any like struggles along the way that you were like, oh, and started like outside forces 
that would kind of challenge you of why you would do this? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, there were with the with my dad's book, we Derek Jeter was our publisher. So we're very lucky right there. It was he started a publishing company. And wow, we had people at the highest levels of his company and other companies saying, you need to dish more dirt. You need to tell stories from, you know, that's what sells book is all the negative stuff and tell some clubhouse stories of how evil this guy was and how, and my dad certainly has those stories, but we chose to make it more about the uplifting thing and make it more about a positive story. And when we were told that we got discouraged and we said, boy, are we doing the wrong thing? And Derek Jeter is the one who said, no, I want more of that positive stuff. He said, don't worry, but he said, there's so many books out there that are sports books that are, you know, that trash people and they might sell a whole bunch of copies and then they drop off the face of the earth. But our book has been consistently selling because people discover it and it it gives them a little lift. And the same thing with the Disney book. I and mean, there there are, I could have written a lot of negative things and probably would have gotten me headlines, but that's not me personally. And I would have felt terrible. I would have even if I made a lot of money on it, it would still make me feel bad that I made somebody look bad in a book or did, you know, there's no reason for that. So it's, it's a personal thing, but um, I always go back on what Walt Disney himself said. People used to criticize Walt Disney all the time, say, oh, your movies are corny. You don't make any, it's terrible. It's for children. It's good. And his answer was, I like corn. I don't know why. <laughs> Lots of people <laughs> like corn. Now, I'm not going to worry about the critics. Or the, he said, I'm making it for the people who like corn. So that's what I do. When I write my books or I put anything out there, I'm making it for the people who enjoy it. If you don't like it or you want to see something different, then that's up to you. And that's not my concern. But I want the people who will enjoy it to enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's actually well said. And, and a, a massive lesson in there, and that goes back to right in the beginning, was who are you writing for? And the minute you know you're writing for, you can put that down, right? You can start saying, well, they kind of like, and I'll use the Disney word, like, they like corny. Great. I'm going to write for people who like corny. I'm not going to write for people who like scary or, you know, love romance or action. Like, they want the corny. So I'm going to write the corny. And that's key, right, in this whole process. And that's it. I mean, if you were, if your book, if you were aiming for the audience of, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey was an incredible bestseller, if that's the audience, then your book is going to be completely different than my Disney book. And that's fine because that's it's not the same audience. I mean, there may be crossover. There might be people who have both books in their library. But primarily my audience is going to be families who enjoy going to Disney World or enjoy watching Disney movies. And so the book I write is not going to have explicit words or language or subjects that you know if you're sitting and your seven-year-old picks up the book and looks at it you're going to be embarrassed so that's i have to keep that in mind when i'm writing it to make sure that it's a positive and each book is different if i happen to write a book someday that's a you know something a little saucier then uh, then i'll make sure my marketing is direct it's also with the marketing you, you have to know who you're marketing it to and direct it to those people you can't try to be everything to everyone that's in business and with books you have to know who you're selling it to. There are plenty of people out there who hate Disney, and I know no matter what I do, they're never going to buy the book, and that's fine too, but I, I'm not going to waste time trying to make the argument to them to buy the book when I have to focus my energy on the people who will buy the book and getting their attention and letting them know, hey, there's another book out here. So you, you have to really choose selectively how you're going to put your focus into things and what you're going to do and how much time and effort you're going to spend on getting that audience into your tent. Yeah. So let's stay on the topic of inspiration. I'm I'm a business owner. I've listened to you. I'm going, okay, Chris, I kind of get it. But who am I to write a book? Like, I'm, I just run my business. I'm like nobody special. What do you say to them? I say that 
you don't have to be a writer to write a book because you're basically telling a story and everybody can tell a story. So even if you're not a writer per se, because I hear that all the time, I'm not a writer, I didn't do good in English class. There are people out there you can hire that will take what you put down in words and fix it for you and make it sound, you know, it'll look a little bit better. And so all you need to do is just tell your story. And then if you are not comfortable with how it looks written down, then you can get somebody and it's not that expensive and they'll look it over a proofreader and editor and a ghostwriter. There are plenty of people out there online that are capable of doing it and they'll shape it into something, but it's the raw material that you have in your head. That's the important part. They're, they can't do that. Only you can do that. You can get that raw material out there. And then if you don't feel comfortable uh, making it yourself, you're going to have somebody help you make it. But that's the thing. If you forget about writing a book, because that sounds scary writing, it's uh, it's terrifying every time I look at a blank screen or a blank piece of paper to say, oh my goodness, I've got to write a thousand words on something. Where's it coming from? But once I realize, hey, I'm telling a story, then it starts to flow because I say, who am I telling the story to? Why am I telling the story? What's the important part of the story? What's not important? And all of those answers just flow out of you. So that's the key. You're a storyteller, not a writer. Yeah. And you've and your two books are really very different in terms of nature, in terms of like what kind of books they are. So what's good and, you know, I'm, and I'm glad we're, you and I are talking because some people think, oh, but my business is let's I'll call it, you know, I'm a cake maker and I better write about cake making or otherwise it doesn't work. It doesn't really matter the topic, right? No, it doesn't. It's it's uh, I'll give you an example. And yeah. I think it's one of the you were talking about cookbooks earlier. Uh, there's a woman named Marcy Smothers and she's from. San Francisco, and she runs a restaurant, and she's a, a she she runs a blog about cooking and food and all that. But she loves Disney, so she decided she was going to write a book, and she wrote a book that's one of the most fascinating books. It's called Eat Like Walt, and she found out every food that Walt Disney liked and told his story through the food that he ate. And she was able to get from the family museum. She got he he wrote down, and it's great in the book. She has a picture of it. He wrote down for his housekeeper. I don't like these vegetables. I like this and like it. And and she was able to get the recipe for his favorite chili for this. So she mixed it in with a story about his life. And then she had Disneyland mixed in there, all the early foods that they served at Disneyland and how they were made. And uh, so it's a fascinating book that you know, technically it's a cookbook, but it's not. It's just, it's 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 of two worlds. And her sales have been incredible because she got the food people on board and she got the Disney people on board, which are two big audiences. So that's the kind of thing that you could say, what can I do that's unique that touches on what I like, but also might bring in something else? Yeah. Oh, that's that's brilliant. And a great. Thank you for sharing that story, because I think it just highlights and hopefully gets everybody who's listening goes, oh, my gosh, like it doesn't have to be one direction. And I think people get caught up in the uni direction, right? Whether it's their industry they're in, the product they make or the kind of client they service. There's books out. There's even kids books, right? You can do it in a version that would be great for children to learn about. I'll call it baking or something, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about kind of like what's next for Chris. Like I know you got the book coming out and this is all great. Is there another book in you? Have you got something that you want to work on, project, thoughts you're working on? Uh, yeah, actually, well, so the, well, this year is going to be spent mostly traveling with this book and getting the word out there and going to where we're not doing bookstores. We're going to different museums, which is an interesting take. So they'll have me going to like a comedy museum and doing a lecture on the top 10 comedians in Disney or the Italian-American <laughs> cool. museum and the top 10 Italians and this all a different interest. So we're going to be all over the country. But uh, one of the things that was proposed 
is a, a book called My Year of Living Disney, where they're going to have me living at Disney World for 365 days straight and experiencing nice. every single thing there, every restaurant, every ride, every, uh, you know, they have horseback riding, they have a spa. And the idea is to let people know that Disney World, the resort in Florida, is not just for kids and it's not just, you can go there and never even go to a theme park and still have an amazing time because of all that they have there. So they want me to do that over the course of a year, which will be fun. So that's going to be a big, that'll be a, a project years in the making. But we got to have you back on the show, Chris, and talk about that. That sounds totally exciting. By the way, if you need anyone to carry your bags, I'm there, pal. Sure. <laughs> sure. Lots of people, hey, can we help out with that one? It's... Exactly. Um, let's let's do some, uh, can people reach out to you, follow, like, where the, can they learn about what you got going on? Sure. Uh, the, the website for the book is topdisneybook.com. Uh, if they want to reach out to me, my email is mousetop10 at gmail.com. Uh, the, the other book, Seeing Home, if you go to topdisneybook.com, there's a list of other books on there, so that's in there as well. But again, if they wanted to reach out to me, it's mousetop10 at gmail.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions or give any advice or help out in any way I can. Awesome. Uh, final words, Chris. What would you leave our business owner or listener with? I, I would say that you are not alone out there in whatever you're trying to do. Someone else before you has tried to do it, and I guarantee you there's a book out there or someone has written about it. So if you're feeling like, you know, it's a gigantic obstacle ahead of you or the world, just just look into it and you'll find somebody who's gone through it. And then you can be that person who writes the book for someone 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years ago, that they'll read your story and say, wow, I can do that too. So don't give up. That's awesome, Chris. Thank you so much for being on today and taking the time. Uh, great story. Wishing you tremendous success uh, with the top Disney book. And I got to pick up your, your book on your dad, man. That sounds totally inspirational. Holy cow. Very much. Yeah, Very sorry. exciting. Baseball, not hockey, but. Yeah, it's all good. I, I still, baseball is close to my heart anyway. <laughs> and I, I'm more of a Mets because when I was living in Montreal, it was the Expos. So it was like, oh, the Expos would play the Mets. So I followed the New York Mets. My brother's a Mets fan. <laughs> I think he's adopted. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for being on today. This is great. And thank you, everyone, for listening into another Your Business Matters show. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Your Business Matters show, a production of Be Your Best Today. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a review and subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube, and we'll catch you next time.